Jesus said to them, come follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How y'all doing? All right. Well, we had our diocesan convention yesterday. It was a party. It was, we laughed, we cried, but mostly we laughed, as they say. The diocesan convention wasn't too bad. I uh, got to hang out with some of my friends, my uh, other, our delegates in particular, but other clergy in the diocese. Heard a lot from the Archbishop of Canterbury's Canon for Evangelism, which was great that the Archbishop of Canterbury has a man designated whose sole job is to help the Church of England reach England. Great idea. And we, <laughs> hey. <laughs> and we heard a lot about leadership. Uh, and we talked a lot about leadership, raising up young leaders for the church, raising up leadership in our congregation, raising up leaders to lead. Now, if you know me, I've got a degree in, a master's degree in industrial psychology. I know a lot about leadership. I studied it, motivation, all that stuff. I'm not knocking leadership, but what occurred to me is something which I want to share with you today. And in fact, there is nowhere in Scripture that I can find, anyway, where you and I are called to be leaders. Nowhere are we called to be leaders. In fact, a good Christian leader is a person who points other people to Jesus, not himself. In fact, quote John the Baptist, a leader. John the Baptist, when Jesus arrives on the scene, John says, I must decrease and he must increase. Point is, Jesus doesn't call us to lead. He calls us to follow. There's nowhere in Scripture he says, lead on. No, he says, look, follow me. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because Christian leadership is not about leading, it's about following. Christian leadership is about teaching other people to follow Jesus. Amen? And so on this third Sunday of the Epiphany, I made this up. I'm calling it Follower Sunday. Followship. That's a made-up word. Followship Sunday. I want, to call, I want to talk about what it means to follow Jesus and with, uh, with two brothers who are our, our case study, you might say, right? Two brothers, Simon and, and, and Andrew, who are called by Jesus to follow him. So I'm going to look at three ideas today, and it's the same for Simon and Andrew as it is for you and, you and certainly for me to follow Jesus. Three things. It's always the same. The invitation, the cost, and the blessing. When it comes to following Jesus, it's the threefold movement. The invitation, the cost, and it's big, and the blessing, which is even bigger. So the first thing I want to look at is the invitation. So, two brothers, Simon and Andrew, are fishermen casting their nets by the Sea of Galilee, which, by the way, is not a very important place in the ancient Near East. It's sort of, you know, nowheresville. And so, Matthew tells us that Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, having a stroll, maybe, I don't know what he's doing, and he sees these two men casting their nets. If you don't know, in the first century, when you were a fisherman, you didn't use a, a rod and reel, right? You'd use a net, and it was usually a two- or three-man operation. You would take your net, and you'd throw it into the water, and it would go over the fish, and you'd kind of reel it, you know, pull it back in, and bring the fish ashore, and throw out the bad ones, and keep the good ones. And so Jesus sees these two men, Simon and Andrew, and he sees them, and he says to them, 
follow me, and I, I will make you fishers of men. It's a play on words. They're fishermen, and I will make you fishers of men. I can't help but wonder if, the, and I don't know this for sure, it's just speculation, admittedly, but I wonder if maybe Jesus saw in Simon and Andrew something important. He saw these men fishing. If you've ever fished with a net, you have to be able to read the water. I had a friend of mine who uh, went out, he used to have a boat when I was in New Jersey. We were out uh, right about Sandy Hook in New Jersey. Anybody know where that is? Raritan Bay. And we were casting, uh, he was fishing for bait fish. And he would stand on the bow. He was a dentist by training. He would stand on the bow and he would point and the uh, captain would go over and he would throw the net into the water and pull it out and bam, fish. He could read the water. And I wonder if part of the reason why Jesus picked Simon and Andrew is because they could read the situation. Now, the situation's going to change from fishing for fish to fishing for people, but I wonder if Jesus called them because he knew they had a skill that he'd given them earlier at their creation. They could read the situation. But anyway, Jesus says to Simon and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, most people hear that one of two ways. Either they hear it as a plea, follow me, please. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, asking people for a favor, right? We hear it that way, or we hear it as a command, follow me. Let's charge the hill, boys, right? That's actually the way, I'll confess to you, I've always understood this text, as a command, get behind me and let's, let's go, but one thing I did not know, because I never looked at it until about four days ago, I went through the Greek once again, I've preached this before, I went through the Greek once again, and I noticed something which actually changed my whole outlook on this passage. That word, follow me, it's two words in English, it's one word in Greek, and the Greek word is duete. Duete. You know, it doesn't actually mean follow me. You know what it means? This is cool. It means, come here. Watch this. Come and see. Let me show you this. I'll give you an example. That word is used in another place, lots of places, but one I'll show you to make my point. In Matthew chapter 28, verse, uh, verse 6, um, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb of Jesus to anoint his body for burial, right? Jesus had been crucified three days earlier. She wakes up on the first day after the Sabbath. First thing she does is Mary goes to the tomb to anoint his body for burial. And she gets there to the tomb, Mary does, and she arrives at the tomb and Matthew says that she saw an angel sitting there. And the angel says, hey, Mary, this is Mary, he's not here. For he has risen. Come and see where he lay. Same word, duete. Hey, Mare, you're not going to believe this. He's not here. He's been raised. Let me show you. Come here. Look. It's an invitation. And it's an invitation to see something bigger than you could have possibly imagined. That's what Jesus says to Simon and Andrew. Guys, come here. You want to see something? Watch this. Uh, you were fishermen. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come here. It's an invitation. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because it's always true when Jesus' call for them, for me, or you. His call is an invitation to come and see what he will do literally with you. I came across a quote. Uh, last week, I was reading a book, um, came across a quote by Teddy Roosevelt, 
right? The Rough Rider. Man's man, if anyone ever existed. Teddy Roosevelt said in a book I was reading, he says this. This is a great quote. I'd never heard it before. Maybe you have. He said, For it is better to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even through checkered by failure. It's better to do that, even if you sometimes fail, than to take up ranks with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much or suffer much. For they live in the great twilight and, know, and they know neither victory or defeat. See, I think Jesus calls us to that, to a life of excitement and a life of risk and a life of, of challenge. I mean, one thing, I just turned 51 years old. One thing I'm beginning to learn about my own life is I'm a creature of habit. Anybody here? I get up at the same time every day. I drink two cups of coffee. I exercise for 45 minutes. I get a shower. I come to work every single day. Anybody here have a pattern? We all do it. Here's the thing. It's so easy to fall into this structure of behavior that life kind of becomes too safe. It becomes too regular, too staid. Jesus offers you the invitation, the antidote to a safe life. He offers you a life of challenge, a life of risk, a life of what now? Come here, guys, watch this. Let me ask you this. Is your life boring? This is not, seriously. I mean, are you boring? I mean, is your life boring? I mean, we, you know, we, we spend so much time trying to make everything safe, that when everything is safe, we go, this is kind of, duh. We complain that life is so short, and then we complain that it's so boring. Well, why do you think that might be? It's because a safe life is a boring life. A safe life, a risk-free life, is a risk-free life. Come here, Jesus says, and I will, ma I will make you fishers of men but it's going to cost you. That's my second point, the cost. I want to show you this. This is really cool. Scripture tells us that when Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, and this is not the first time they'd met. They had met Jesus before. They knew who he was. It wasn't like he just showed, you know, walked into Publix one day and said, hey, let's go. They knew who he was, but this is the first time he actually called them to come, come watch this, right? Anyway, point two, Jesus issues the invitation, but there's a cost, and this is what it is. He says, he went to Simon and Andrew, and he says, hey, guys, come here. Follow me. And Matthew says, they dropped their nets. Now, it's an interesting play on words, because when you're a fisherman, you, you cast your net, right? And it says, they dropped their net. The word is the word cast. They dropped their net for the last time. The Greek word there means it's a permanent decision. What does that mean? Well, if you were a fisherman in the first century, your net was how you fed your family, how you fed yourself, what you did all day long, your source of security, your source of income, your source of livelihood, your source of identity. They're fishermen. They fish. And yet Jesus says, hey, guys, watch this. And they, they cast their net for the last time. Here's what I want you to see. These nets are their source of security. These nets are the means by which these men had all the stability in their life. And Jesus says, hey, guys, you want to see something big? Watch this. Drop that. Let's go. Those nets, def listen, those nets defined those men as people. 
and you do it too, and so do I. We've all got our nets. I'll give you an example. Say you're at a cocktail party, right? Some of you go to cocktail parties. Say you're just at a party. Say you're, in, say you're at a church convention, right, where I was this weekend, and someone says to me, so tell me about yourself. What's the first thing you're going to say? I'm an accountant. I'm a parent. I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I'm a priest. I'm a fisherman. Whatever. Whatever it is, man. We like, listen, we, you and I, all humanity, we define ourselves, listen, by what we do. But Jesus tells us to cast that away and define ourselves not by what we do, but listen, but by whose we are. I'll say that again. We are called to define ourselves not by what we do, but by whose we are. Simon and Andrew, these poor fishermen by the Sea of Galilee, are forced to answer this very same existential question that every single person in this room will Sunday ask themselves. Who am I? Why do I matter? It's the wrong question to ask. The question to ask is this. Whose am I? Because whose you are is infinitely more important than what you do, right? Whose you are is infinitely more important than what you do. Friends, I will say something with 100% certainty. Everything you have in this life, everything you do in this life someday will be taken from you, if not sooner than later, right? My, I always say my grandfather used to say, you can't take it with you, and he didn't. The point I want you to see, what you do doesn't really matter. It's whose you are. And how difficult that is, right, to give that identity up. How difficult that is to move our identity from what we do to what we can control to whose we are. How hard it is to drop our nets, to drop our security and follow Jesus, to come and see where he leads us. Now, I may, I may be wrong about this. I don't think we have any people in this congregation who are fishermen. Anyone? At Red Bank, I did. Not here. But the nets that, in, that I'm talking about here are the things in our lives that take the place of Jesus as our identity. The things that we cling to for security. The things that we fall back on when we answer the questions, what am I all about? Jesus says, put that down, man, and come here. Hold your nets loosely. I'll never forget once, I was on retreat um, in, at Camp St. Christopher in Charleston, South Carolina. Anybody know Camp St. Christopher? It's an awesome place. Uh, I was on retreat there with a bunch of my clergy friends, and I was talking to a buddy of mine um, uh, that I was the rector of Trinity Church in Red Bank, New Jersey. And this guy next to me who was cleaning out the trash can heard me say Red Bank, New Jersey. And he says, did you say Red Bank? And I said, I did. I'm the rector of Trinity Church in Red Bank on Front Street. And he said, wow. He goes, that's the coolest thing. I'm from Middletown, which is the next town over. Here we are in, at a retreat center in South Carolina, and I got to talking to this guy. His name was Tom. Tom was 36 years old. Tom was a real estate attorney from Manhattan. His wife was an investment banker. They had made a lot of money in New York City, like a lot of people do in New York City. That's why you go there. And he said to me, he says, you know, he says, and he said, I said, New York City, well, what are you doing here? He says, well, my wife and I, he says, we lost everything. He said, in fact, just two days ago, just two days before this conversation, he said, just two days ago, uh, my house was foreclosed, my house in Middletown, which is not a bad place to live. 
And, I, and I'm, I'm hearing him telling me all this, and, I, and my, you know, like you would, my, I start to, I'm sympathetic and compassionate and empathetic, and I, and I begin to say to him, I said, man, I'm so sorry. Tom, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. He, he put his hand up. I'll never forget. He said, you know what? Stop. He said, I will tell you that I am amazed. I am amazed at how God has worked in my life. We don't, we don't miss any of it, and we've never been happier. I was stunned. And I looked at him and I said, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, look, he says, I was hanging on to these things too tightly and now I've let them go. Tom did not define himself by what he did, friends. Tom defined himself by whose he was. And that can never be taken from you. Tom was a follower of Jesus. Tom and his wife, to keep the metaphor here, Tom and his wife, they held their nets loosely. And I would submit to you that perhaps those nets were ripped away. Maybe he wasn't terribly crazy about losing his job and losing his house and having to move to South Carolina and live on a campground. But man, when he got there, he realized that the Lord had blessed him through that suffering. So here's the question for you. It's a reminder and a warning and a comfort. Do you hold your nets loosely? The things you lean on for identity. The things that you do. And that leads me to my final point, the blessing. You know, Jesus calls Simon and Andrew, and Jesus, Jesus tells them, follow me. Come here, guys, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. He doesn't say, come here, and we're going to go through a 12-week a training class on how to fish for men. He doesn't say, come here, and I'm going to send you to graduate school to learn how to be an evangelist and a preacher. He doesn't say, I'm going to send you to seminary. He says, no, no, no. You come here, and I will make you a fisher of men. Jesus was going to use these men, these two nobodies from Galilee, two fishermen from Galilee, to change the world. And he's going to change them, not by force, but by using a gifting in them that they did not know that they possessed and by giving him the strength and power to do it and leading them to do something they had no idea they were capable of doing, something they could not have possibly imagined. Hey, guys, come and see what I'm going to do next. I mean, picture Jesus saying, hey, Simon and Andrew, I got an idea. Here's my strategic plan for the next next three years of our ministry together. Here's the deal, guys. I'm gonna, we're going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me. They're going to nail me to a cross, and I'm going to be raised from the dead. And you guys are going to help me. Yeah, Jesus signed me up. You guys are going to change the world. What do you say? What would, they, what would you say? Dude, you're crazy. Well, maybe. You know, when Jesus called me to be a preacher, that's what I said. Dude, you're crazy. You don't, if you don't know me, I was, I was not always a choir boy. In fact, I was never a choir boy, but I was not always a, a particularly a wholesome young fellow. Uh, and uh, I was not always a choir boy. And, uh, and this is also something people are surprised when I say it, but it's God's honest truth, that I am by nature absolutely terrified to speak in public. I am absolutely terrified, not anymore, obviously, but, but by nature, I am completely terrified to speak in public. And so when the Lord called me to the ministry, I'm thinking, all right, Jesus, man, okay, you know about the Penn State stuff, right? Yeah, I know. You know that I'm not a very good speaker in public, right? Yeah, I know that. I'm like, dude, you got the wrong guy. And he said, Rodriguez, you're exactly the person for the job. You know why? I now know, I now know why, because it ain't about me. 
It's not about what I do. It's about whose I am. It's about him working in, on, and through me to serve you. It's not what I do that defines me, but whose I am that defines me. And that can never be taken from me or you. You know, friends, life with Jesus as your CEO, as your commanding officer, it's an adventure. And if your life's boring, it's because you ain't following him. It's because you're not doing what he's challenging you to do. Life is not always easy. A lazy life is boring. But it's the big questions, the wrestle, the struggle, the, the back and forth. It's the tithing. It's the stepping out to serve. It's the taking God at his challenge, at his call, his invitation. That's what makes life rewarding, man. That's what makes it risky. That's what makes it exciting. Christ calls you to an exciting life. Not because of what you do, but because of what he will do through you. You know, the absolutely amazing thing for Simon and Andrew, these two fishermen from nowhere, or my friend Tom, or you, or me, the, the astounding thing for all of us is that once we drop our nets, the things we lean on for our security, once we are prepared to give up security and safety and come and see what he's going to do in our lives, once we do that, we have more security and safety than we ever had. We have an identity which cannot possibly be shaken. Because it's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about him. Look, if you're struggling with anger and frustration and boredom in your life, and if it's secure, then you're looking in the wrong place, man. Jesus calls you to an adventure. He calls you to a challenge. He calls you to take up your cross. It's not always fun. It's not always pleasant. But man, it's an adventure, and it will never be boring. The reason that you feel there should be something more to your life is because there is something more to your life. And perhaps the problem is you haven't responded to his call. That Jesus wants to use you in a way in which you cannot possibly imagine. A way that you never expected. A way that is maybe buried deep down in there that you don't even know you possess. But if you follow him, he'll show you. So friends, here's my warning to you. My warning and my encouragement. Hold your net loosely. Hold your nets loosely. Most people can't do that. I'm challenging you to do it. You only get one shot at this life. You only get one, single, one swing of the club. Are you serving Jesus? Are you serving him? Be ready for his command. And let Christ use you to change the world one person at a time. I'm not telling you to go out and be an evangelist for the nations unless he called you to it. But I am telling you to be salt and light amongst the people which him, where he places you. I'm telling you that you are called to, on a mission to be Jesus to the people around you that don't know him. I'm calling you and I'm challenging you this morning, friends, as Christ continues to challenge me to come and see, to come and follow him, and to learn to be fishers of men. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Jesus who calls each one of us by name. Help us, Lord, to hold our nets loosely. The things we cling to, help us to just, man, let go. To be ready to change our lives, to hear your call, to, to respond and give, and give us the courage to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.